Hi everyone, welcome to the Courageous Conversations podcast. I'm Leanne Pilkington and I am so excited to have an international guest with me today, Paul McGee. Hi Paul. Hi Leanne, it's great to be with you and to talking to you and to your listeners. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Now, for obviously a lot of my listeners have seen you speak at various events around Australia, but for those of you who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about your early career and and how you found yourself to be an international best-selling author and speaker. Mm, I'm known as the sumo guy, and often people don't remember I'm Paul McGee. They remember me as the sumo guy, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. But yeah, my life started off many years ago. I worked uh, as a graduate management trainee with a big multinational. I worked in a beef burger factory managing 30 women on the cheap beef burger line. Two main lessons from that experience. Number one, don't eat cheap beef burgers. And, and secondly, <laughs> when arrogance meets ignorance, that's a dangerous cocktail. And Leanne, if I'm honest, <laughs> I was a bit of both. And I learned a lot, not just from doing a degree at uni, but from managing 30 women. What a life experience that was. I uh, became ill, unfortunately, not to do with the beef burgers, but with an illness that um, uh, I think in Australia you call it chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay. And the people who tend to say, well, what was that like? It's like the equivalent of you go to bed at night and you cha- your phone's got no charge and you charge it for like 12 hours. And when you look at your phone the next morning, it's got about 5% charge on it and that's it. Mm. And that's how life was for me for about three years. Um, oh, really? And, yeah. And that was really, really tough um my wife cared for me it was and i just never knew i was going to get over the illness but i did reach out to in a sense to listening to personal development cassette tapes as they were then and reading books and um after about three years i thought you know what maybe i could get myself a little part-time job in sort of like phone charge equivalent i guess i got to about 25 percent charge and i thought okay i'm not completely exhausted all the time maybe i'll get a part-time job two hours a day couldn't get a job doing anything because no one had hire me you know you got this kind of like thing on your application form or your resume a three-year gap it raises a lot of questions so in the end i hired myself i was amazing at the interview standout candidate <laughs> and um since then it's it's evolved i mean you know yes i'm a international best-selling author and one thing or another i had a sunday times best-selling book in the uk but it didn't happen overnight i mean i went self-employed in 1991 so it's really, well, I was doing many training uh, courses and I did a little bit of work with the organization. I know they're out in Australia called the Dale Carnegie Organization. So yep. great development for me. And things just evolved. And eventually I'd be doing a course, say, for like a dozen people for like a day. And then one of the delegates said, you know what? We've got a staff conference coming up for about 100 people. Would you do an hour? Because I think you'd be great. And I've always been a bit of a performer and love drama at school and the bizarre thing was and it wasn't just a material it wasn't just a financial thing but basically they were saying you speak for an hour and they'll be paying me more than when I spoke for a whole day but to a much smaller group of people did this hour and it was just like oh this is what I'm on this planet to do I just was 
in my in my flow in the zone people laughed and, and they learned and, and that's you know and that doesn't mean so it's been brilliant and easy ever since it hasn't but I realized I had a bit of a talent but I also realized talent wasn't enough I need to work hard at this so I joined an organization called the Professional Speakers Association they have an equivalent out in Australia learned lots and because I'm not famous I'm not a celebrity I've not climbed Everest I haven't got any gold medals I haven't overcome cancer it was a but question you did of right sumo yeah exactly and that was maybe part of the reason for getting into writing books was I needed to get a bit of credibility yeah, and right. build profile and sumo for those that haven't come across it literally just started off as an acronym uh, shut up move on and and the shut up bit maybe sounds more aggressive than it is but the shut up is guys take time out stop think reflect press pause we do loads on autopilot from how we get dressed in the morning to driving a car and, and two things I guess I wanted to point out to people was number one there is a load of things we do on autopilot without thinking that are really actually effective and we need to sometimes step back and acknowledge you know what i'm doing okay here but we tend to as i say we carve our failures in concrete and we write our successes in sand and we can quickly forget how well we're doing so first of all acknowledge there's a lot of stuff we're doing well but secondly maybe there are some things we're doing on autopilot without thinking are not as effective as they could be and and hopefully i share with people ideas and give them raise their awareness on what those areas could be we've moved into education now and um one of the things that was a concern in education was we love the sumo principles, we love the philosophy, we love your approach, but we do have an issue with the phrase, shut up, move on. And it was a, a teacher who it was head teacher of a school with children aged from, say, 5 to 11. And she said, look, my teachers love the stuff you did with them. The kids are loving it. But one of the parents said to me recently, my son George keeps on going on about sumo. What is it? She said, I felt a bit uncomfortable saying it's an acronym. It stands for shut up, move on. George is seven. We're a primary school and one of our values is show respect. And I don't think you show respect by telling people to shut up. So I'd like you to change the title of your program. I said, have you got any idea what we could call it? She said, no. I said, thanks for the feedback. Um, <laughs> but we did we did eventually think, well, how can we still communicate this message? Because it's important, but maybe tone it down a little bit for sort of the people. So Sumo now can also stand for stop, understand, move on. And we're still doing nice. loads of work in education. Yeah. So that's a kind of like whistle-stop tour of some of what I've been up to. Fantastic. And how many books have you written? I've written 11, and um, wow. they've all been aimed at adults. But literally this very morning, it's um, four minutes past 5 a.m. on a cold, dark winter's morning in the UK. It's winter over here. I started my, uh, my 12th book, and it's aimed at teenagers. So it's very much out of my comfort zone. I have something called the Sumo for Schools Foundation, but that's been developed by other people who are involved in work with young people using my material. But I just felt, and the publisher approached me and they said, look, you know, more and more the whole mental health crisis and what's going on in a teenager's brain. And we just, is there anything you think you could do with your sumo ideas that you could actually write a book that's really engaging for, for young people? I'm very aware that most teenagers aren't going to go out and buy the book themselves, but I'm hopeful that parents and family members and teachers and schools will will get a lot from them, will realize that there's a real value in this book. And I want to do a kind of like a fun quirk 
quirky, practical, um, but hopefully really life-helping book for kids. So that'll be my 12th mm. book. So I'm keeping busy. Yeah, that is amazing. And it's interesting. We, we have a, um, a mental health crisis in Australia as well, yeah. particularly with young men. Yes. teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you have a similar issue in the UK. Yeah. And I think it's happening all over in many respects. There are some cultures where it is a bit different because of how they're kind of like families are set up. And also the the impacts of things like um, social media, particularly, it has to be said, Instagram. And um, there is so much happening in a young person's brain um, during adolescence that they don't understand about themselves. And most parents and adults don't understand. So I really really want to kind of like lift the lid on that, help kids to understand themselves, get parents to understand what kids are facing and just give them some tools and some tips on not just to survive their teenage years, but potentially thrive. And um, I had yesterday, uh, this was from an adult, um, but I, I had an event I spoke at yesterday and someone just wrote on a piece of paper and gave it me at the end. And I tell you, it was like, I've been speaking since nearly 29 years. And this is like the most amazing piece of feedback I ever had. It wasn't, you were a great speaker or anything like that. She just said, well, Paul, you may well just have saved my life today. Oh, and I don't know anything about the backstory but I'll tell you, I'm keeping that piece of paper. And um, and maybe there are some things that will happen in this book for teenagers that will make them make some choices that maybe enhance their lives rather than think, what's the point of going on? So it'll be fun but and, and quirky. I don't want to get too heavy about it, but I think it is a really important topic. And I'm probably, out of all the books I've ever written, this actually feels the one I feel most responsibility for, but also the most excitement for as well. Wow. Well, I'm sure you're going to pump it out very quickly if you're that excited mm. about it, right? Absolutely. And the fact that I, I tend to get up at 4.30 in the morning certainly yeah. helps as well. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. So the podcast, this podcast is all about courageous conversations. So they're conversations that you have either with yourself or with somebody else that yeah. you really don't want to have, but they're the ones that, that actually make the difference. Sure. Have you got any examples you can share with us? Yeah, I have. I mean, uh, courageous conversations. I um, I think of a couple in relation to my own personal life. I mean, I don't know if you call it courageous, but it just goes to this whole thing about what you do say to yourself can have a profound impact on how you feel, mm. how you act, and the results you get in life. And I remember years ago, it was an organization based in the States called Career Track. They were doing a lot of seminars in the UK, and but rather than keep sending American speakers over they were kind of like looking for people based in the UK and I got their application their sort of information pack about it and I remember going oh this looks this like this is jobs designed for me you're working freelance get a chance to speak in the UK maybe in Asia but the method of application and this is back in the 90s right this is back in 1994 uh, the method of application was please send in a one-hour video of yourself speaking one-hour uh, one video of yourself speaking ideally in front of 50 to 100 people. Oh, now, God. some of your listeners may remember that back in the 90s, it wasn't like get the iPhone out because we were a few no. years from having iPhones and it was like a big camcorder and I spoke to groups of around about 12 people at the time. Anyway, I remember thinking this is a real shame and I... It, that, I just put the application form in the bin. But on my wall, one of the things that motivated me was I put these little quotes 
And one of my quotes was, was carpe diem seize the day. And I remember just having that mm. kind of conversation with myself and I got out the application form again and the, and, and I kind of thought, you know, this is a dream opportunity here. I don't have a one hour video. I don't speak in front of 50 to people, but I reread it. And in a sense, Leanne, I, I read it almost with an intention of let's look for a reason why I should apply rather yeah. than for a reason why I shouldn't. And I noticed one word I'd not noticed before. And, and the, the word in the application was speaking ideally in front of 50 to 100 people. Mm. And my courageous conversation, if you like, with myself was simply this. And I can literally remember what I said and where I was when I had this conversation. I just said to myself, you know what, Paul, you don't live in an ideal world and what i did that just made me think i'm just going to go for this i've got to get solution focused so i um i hired a room i rang all my friends i said i'm going to invite you to a free one hour motivational training session they looked at me and went oh that should be interesting i said look there'll be free food there'll be alcohol just laugh in the right places so i rang all my friends and they both said they'd come and um, i literally i ran a, a one hour training session my wife filmed it and my mum was there and uncle I looked at about eight people in the room and what I did though was then I did a piece to camera and I went okay guys this is a setup I wasn't able to get to film in front of 100 people but I genuinely believe I can do this remarkably they became my biggest client and um, so wow. needed a, com a courageous conversation with myself but up to date a bit more because that's when we're like back in the 90s um, I know you uh, realise how important exercise is as do sure. I and so what I've been doing strangely actually I've not been I've actually in the last 12 months I've stopped going to the gym and, and one of the things I've started to do is to um, go on long walks and power walks and listen to podcasts and and just occasionally I break out into a little bit of a run occasionally was doing that oh you crazy guy I know I know was doing that on Sunday morning here in the UK it was still dark it was wet but I'm like I'm really challenging myself and thinking you know, isn't it great? I can do this having been ill with chronic fatigue syndrome. I'm good about this. But unfortunately, I slipped on some wet grass, twisted oh. my knee badly, hobbled home. Cut a long story short, though, that was on Sunday morning yesterday, which would have been, uh, I don't know when people will be listening to this, but it was a Wednesday. I was working for a big corporate client in London. And in the morning, I'm loaded up with painkillers. I've got myself a knee brace. And I'm just suddenly thinking to myself, Paul, you can't move as freely as you possibly can. You normally you can. They're a big client. It's, it's Shell. Um, you've not worked with them for a few years. This is your big moment. And guess what? And I'm all this like self-doubt based on my knee. Yeah. And it's like, yep. And, and it's like, okay. And I'm in a bit of pain. And it will kind of like restrict me a bit. But it's not to a large group. It's not going to be a huge space I'm in. But and it's I'm not like you're a gymnast, right? You're not doing. Exactly. Doing, but yeah, those self-doubt, if you decide yeah. to walk to them and will I be okay and what about this and they're, they're in they're all from different parts of the world and will they get my humor and I just literally my almost like my negative voice was running away with me for a moment wow. and, I'm, and I'm the flipping motivational speaker and I just went whoa <laughs> hang on a minute McGee 
you've got this. And I started yeah. to, again, in a sense, reread in my mind those successes that are easy to write in sand. And as you rightly say, I went, you know, I'm not, I'm not flipping pole vaulting into the room and, and doing, uh, <laughs> you know, a triple somersault to start my session. Oh, I don't, I don't do that occasionally. Um, and I just, but I had this oh, kind I'll of. Oh, make com- sure that I uh, put that yeah, on the briefing yeah, form for yeah, the next time I book you to speak. Next time I'm working with you, totally. <laughs> but I just had to have this kind of conversation. And I think what it indicates is, you know, you can be hopefully doing really well in life, um, but those voices of self-doubt can start yeah. to reappear. And it's and like what, what you focus gonna... on grows, right? Oh, the more 100%. you think about that, the worse it gets. And yeah. it was literally, I need to shut up and move on here. And and just yeah. talk in a sense to myself, words yeah. of life. And, and I've got a friend of mine who's an, an amazing encourager. And I actually imagined him having a conversation with me and, and basically, going you've got this and yeah I, I did have it and it was it it went incredibly well i've got another event and a big event tomorrow coming up and yeah the knee isn't fully recovered but it was again this sense of sometimes you need to just as i say besides god if you believe in god the most important person you're ever going to talk to is actually yourself so make sure those conversations are good constructive and potentially courageous ones as well and so often they're not. You know, if we treated our friends the way we treat ourselves, sometimes we probably wouldn't have too many friends, right? It's incredible. And one of the things I'm going to be looking at in the book for teenagers is those kind of conversations they have with themselves. And we do our emotional brain can hijack us. As human beings, we do have a bit of an inbuilt negativity bias. And and things can escalate in, in, so quickly if we're not careful. So we literally need to stop it, understand what's happening. But as I always say who's in charge the thinker or the thoughts oh i'm in charge i'm the thinker so get a grip of that and also just as as when you're going down a bit of a negative route just to say hang on a minute don't believe everything you think here just because you're thinking it doesn't mean it's true particularly if it's not helping you so it's just getting a grip of your thinking and, and i think that's massively important for any person of any age yeah, you're so right because you can even, not just negative thoughts, but if you've had an issue with a colleague or, or a loved one, you can start to kind of talk yourself into a rage uh, well, and the facts of yeah. the conversation haven't changed or the facts of the issue haven't changed, but all of a sudden your perspective is getting worse and worse and you blow things out of all proportion. <laughs> It's, I mean, and I have to say, Leanne, I'm smiling as you say that because if my wife was, when my wife listens to this podcast, she'll be nodding vigorously now at this point <laughs> because she knows she'll go, sometimes she'll go, she calls me P uh, rather than Paul, but she'll go, P, you're working yourself up. And, and one of mm. the things I have learned is, you know, sometimes you do need to offload and you need to vent, but don't become a broken record. And as I say, sometimes to retell is to relive. And that isn't always helpful. Sometimes you've got to literally draw a line, say, OK, that was history. It's time to deal with now the present and move on. But, but we can all be prone to it so much so. Yeah, and it can be really hard. It can be really hard to kind of close the loop, if you like, and to actually move on. So do you meditate or believe in mindfulness? Do you do any of that sort of thing? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I do. But thinking about 
why don't we always move on? I think we do need somebody, though, to listen to us initially. Yeah. And I think if we don't feel we're being acknowledged, if we don't feel we're being listened to, if we don't feel we're being understood, then I still need to vent. But I think so I always say to people, you know, sometimes people aren't looking for a solution from you when they are talking to you about a problem. No. They're yeah. looking for solidarity, you know, but yeah. give them a good listening to. And, I, and then when you've got that and you become okay well i've had a chance to vent and then just be aware that okay i don't need to re relive this anymore and going on to the whole thing around mindfulness and meditation i mean in a sense sumo was basically talking about mindfulness before mindfulness was a thing because in many ways the shut up is take time out stop yeah think reflect be in the present uh, and be mindful of you know uh, of who you are your, your environment and and also one of the reasons why i've now got into walking so much is because getting out into nature um it's almost like there's something that's good for the soul and um all the walking that i do and believe it or not in warrington which is known as a bit of an industrial town there's a reservoir near where i am there's some nice little country lanes fields sheep uh, and it, it almost like soothes my soul and can be a calming impact uh, and effect on yeah. me so sometimes when i have got some issues it still is okay go out and in a sense it's almost like walking meditation and it's not necessarily sitting still it's actually walking but basking in in mother nature and allowing the environment to have a almost a healing uh, effect on you so that's part of my strategies but you do need still sometimes to talk but you need to find someone's going to be a good listener and give you solidarity otherwise you will sometimes get stuck in this loop that's not helpful yeah it's true have you seen the video it's not about the nail no, I haven't. But I'm it is absolutely hilarious. It's very short, but it's about the different ways that men and women communicate because typically oh, okay. women just like to, to download. Men like to solve the problem. Yes, yeah. And so in the video, this woman's got this massive big nail in her forehead and she oh. keeps complaining about this headache and, you know, every time she puts a jumper on, it, it snags and the, the right. husband's there going, um, yes, but you've got a nail. It's like, it is not about the nail. Just listen, I've got a headache. Yeah. Yes, but the, don't mention the nail. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious and it's yeah. so, so true. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll that be as soon as this is over, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be looking it. at that. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It is, yeah, it's very funny. So, for people that need to have courageous conversations, either with themselves or with somebody else in their life, have you got any yeah. tips for us? Yeah, I think in terms of when you could have a courageous conversation with someone else, and I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I don't like, oh, great, a bit of conflict with one of my team today. No. I can't wait for that. So I tend to realize, you know what, I can be a little bit of a people pleaser if I'm not careful. So one of the things, though, that happened, a um, couple of, just a bit of a brief story and then a couple of tips is mm -hmm. I have some associates who do sumo on my behalf and and one of my associates let, let's just call him Dan he did a session for me and he's done probably 30 40 before then that have gone really well he's brilliant does a lot of work in education but he did something for a corporate cut long story short the corporate client contacted me after the event went it did not go well oh, and really? um and I was a bit concerned about maybe how well he'd been briefed one thing or another so i'm like okay and they went and we're not prepared to pay you the full fee 
I'm like, right. okay, this is interesting. I need to speak to Dan. But I remember thinking to myself, okay, Dan is brilliant at what he does. This is the first time it's happened. I actually I have this little, um, these three letters I often think about, both when I'm speaking to a large group, but also maybe on a one-to-one. And, and the, the three letters are KFD. And the K is, okay, what do I need Dan to know? And what I need Dan to know is I don't need to skirt around the issue. I do need to, you know, say I've spoken to the client and this is what they have what they've said and, and then go back to him and then go okay so what what are your views on that but yeah. we need we do need to talk about stuff we can't you know faff around and go around the houses we need to sort of say okay this is what I need you to know so the client isn't happy and we need to understand why that's happened but the F which is really crucial is how do I want Dan to feel at the end of this conversation. And I realized if I just had picked up the phone immediately when the client had spoken to me and then I got on the phone to Dan, I'm talking from an emotional point of view. And the thing that could happen is it could destroy this guy's confidence. This guy mm-hmm. is good at what he does. And there's been, this is hopefully just a blip, which in hindsight it, it proved to be. But I remember thinking to myself, how do I want Dan to feel? And so that actually influenced my words to him, particularly my final words, which is Dan, we will learn from this. And, and next, your next briefing that you have with a client, you know, maybe run by me now what you're going to be talking about because I've trusted you to kind of do this, but maybe we need to just re, re, you know, get my input once more. I said, but I need you to know this, Dan. There will be more work coming your way. I believe in you. I think you've been outstanding in what you've done. And, and we've got this. And so I want him to know certain things, the K. How did I want him to feel? But then the D is, okay, so what are we going to do? And the do was, I'm going to put some more work your way. But when you've had the brief from the client, you call me straight away, talk it through. Any questions, any concerns, let's talk about that. And then make sure I've seen your slides before you present and you talk through it. And that really rescued the situation. So this KFD, and it's the, going back to a Stephen uh, Covey principle, you know, begin with the end in mind. It's not just mm. what do we need to talk about, but what outcome are we trying to achieve? The other little yeah. tip I have sometimes, Leanne, about when you're working with people, got to have a courageous conversation is often it's about you listening to them. And yeah. um, I think sometimes people give you vague answers. And if we're not careful, we just accept those vague answers and move on to the next point. So, okay. So how come we didn't meet our targets this quarter or this week? Well, you know, I've not been particularly motivated. Well, you need to be motivated if we're going to hit our targets. And I'm kind of like, no, 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 no. Let's probe a little bit more. And in terms of a little tip, and I'm hopefully I'm not overloading you with with letters, but you've got KFD, no feel and do. But here's another one, TED, T-E-D. And I think when people have said things like any information they give you, probe a bit more by using TED. And the, the T just says, well, tell me more about that. So, you know, when you say you're not motivated, tell me more about that. Or the E is, well, explain to me what you mean by that. So like, for instance, well, I'm just not getting on very well with one of the team. Well, explain to me, just elaborate. And and the D is sometimes what you might use. Uh, okay, just describe to me in your own words what actually happened there. I think we are... 
we get little bits of information. And I would say that if we're not careful, we make a mountain of assumptions from a molehill of evidence. And I think part <laughs> of our role in life is, is to get the full story and to get the full picture. And you don't do that by just getting the first bit of information and then moving on to the next point. So preparing for courageous conversations have your KFD, particularly how do you want them to feel and begin with the end in mind. And then when it comes to um, exploring where other people are coming from, just tell me, explain to me, describe to me and probe a bit more so that in a sense you get to the root of the issue rather than dealing with the fruit of the problem. Yeah, I like it. I was listening to a podcast this morning and, and they were saying that humans actually aren't really programmed to listen well. There are other species where they their very life survival depends on listening, whereas okay. with humans, when we're babies, we scream, right? Yes, To get absolutely. attention of somebody who can look after us. And some of yep. us just continue to do that rather than to listen. So I've written down those tips. It's 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 an actual skill. And I think the thing is, is it's, it's got to be intentional because we can think yep. approximately four times faster than someone can speak. So it's like when you meet someone for the first time and they give you their name and then you ask a question, and then about 90 seconds later, you're thinking, oh, my goodness, what was their name again? And we always say to ourselves, <laughs> it's because I've got a bad memory. It wasn't that you have got a bad memory. It's just that when they gave you their name, your brain is thinking four times faster than they can speak. So you're, you're sussing them out from a visual point of view. And you're Is also that think, what it is? Because I'm hopeless with that. Yeah. Well, you are, you know, we. if I'd met you for the first time, I didn't know you. The first, we, we go, hi, I'm Paul. You go, hi, I'm Leanne. And I'm asking you a question. Have you enjoyed the session? Where we where what brought you here but what's happening is with all, every human you interact with you are you're getting all those visual signals that you're processing your mind's processing so what was the strength of the handshake what are they wearing was there any eye contact was there a smile and also when you're telling me your name i'm already thinking about my next question so yeah. you it's almost like it literally goes in one ear and out the other so very often yeah. it is a question of just saying okay stop and understand we can think four times faster generally than people can speak so listening isn't something that comes naturally we are biologically challenged so it needs to be an intentional thing that we do and boy when you start to do it and you try and get yourself free from distractions and you have those courageous conversations with other people and don't jump to conclusions but probe 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 and and also start with begin with the end in mind then those conversations can be radically different and literally transformed by just thinking about some of the stuff we just talked about very briefly. Well, I'm going to have to sit down and listen to this podcast again <laughs> and take more notes because my notepad is absolutely full and I don't usually take a lot of notes in my podcasts. We have been chatting for half an hour already, would you believe? I know, and it's gone so quickly. But the reason why I share these things, Leanne, is, is not because, and I've got this sussed, it's because I've identified in myself that I do what you do. I'm, I say I'm hopeless at names and I jump to conclusions and I avoid conflict yep. and I don't probe enough and I'm not a great listener. So the only reason I've developed my knowledge about this is because I've seen it as a, a trait that is common to all humans, whatever their culture. But I've also learned the value of developing the skills and the benefit that it can bring. So I always like start with myself. I'm not like the guru and the expert. I've started with, I am very much the learner here and I've learned 
learned a few things along the way. And now I'm going to share some of this learning because I've seen how valuable it's been to me. And I think it can bring value to others as well. There is absolutely no doubt about that. I so appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Thank you so much. Been my pleasure. And I will look forward to working with you again next time you're yeah, in Australia. I'm very much. It's my second, fa- you know, apart from my home, it is Australia's like my second home. I love being out with you guys and I've always loved working with you. And thanks for being such a champion and cheerleader for me as well, Leanne. It's much appreciated. My absolute pleasure. We'll talk again very soon. All right. Thanks, Leanne. Bye-bye.